0: Amen. Amen. This is the aspect of where I want us to begin today as we think about peace and the true meaning of peace and how God wants to be involved and give it to us as a gift. Peace is a characteristic of faith it should be a characteristic of a believer yet every person in this room at this moment or some moment in our life or some moment in the future will wrestle over the fact we feel like we don't have it we feel like we can't find it or we feel like it got stolen from us even this week alone as Um, We loved on Marilyn Schwartz and their family. Um, I thank you all for going and visiting and being a part of just celebrating Fred's life. But even after that, this week alone, Robert uh, Rasbaugh's sister passed away. Um, Justin Pavish's stepfather passed away. Megan, her brother, passed away. I want us to grab a hold of the aspect that If peace is a gift from God, you have an enemy who desires to rob that from you. And every way, in any way he can, I'm going to ask us to pray for these families that are experiencing this. And maybe in your own life right now, you can sow the seed of faith toward them for the peace you hope to receive in your own life. Amen? And so... As we begin here, let's just start with that. Can we do that? Yep. My heart is burdened for these families and this season and what they're going through. Um, And so I just want us as a church to take a minute and pray. Is that all right? So Father, forgive us for being so programmed, God, that we might find it difficult or awkward to stop our programming. And to press into you for the reality of your hand. Even today as we talk about the peace that Christmas brings God. We have some families that we are connected to in very intimate ways. Who may be struggling with that because of the loss of loved ones. And so in our petition this morning and in your presence God. We plead on their behalf from heaven for peace. Their minds may not understand it might not make sense, and the pain that they're experiencing right now might blind them to the hand of your goodness. But this—this this is the gift of peace, and that it is miraculous, and it comes in just the right time. And so we sow that gift onto them today, in this season of giving. God, we want to give the gift of peace, especially into their lives. And so, Lord, each of these families, would you let your Holy Spirit come and comfort them in their time of mourning. Strengthen them for the days ahead. Turn their sadness, God, into celebration in the fact that our loss here on earth is their gain for all eternity. To be in your presence, God, is the ultimate desire. And those that we mentioned this morning that have made that journey in front of us, God, let not our hearts be so sad that we can't celebrate with what you've done. Thank you for your comfort. Thank you for your peace. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, thank you, church, for doing that. Um, And don't forget them this week as we think about peace as we think about how we move together as a family. Uh, next week, you're gonna begin to hear about um, January and our journey together uh, like we always do uh, in the month of January, not only renewing our vision for who we are as a church, but um, pressing in together in prayer and in fasting, and uh, Breno is going to, at the instruction of the eldership team, is going to lay out a plan of, uh, in January, of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, as a congregation, and uh, it's going to be an incredible journey, and uh, the journey is going to unite us in our plea towards God and, and what He's doing. Uh, and so, even this week, if you think you can put some time aside to pray and fast for these families uh, in this season, I think it would be good in that sense. And so, let's let's press into the Word this morning, um, Luke chapter two, very famous portion of Scripture for. This time of year, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom his favor rests. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let me open up with a statement that in the light of everything that's happening here this morning, uh, so that we grab a hold of this particular part of our Advent journey, Peace for all the times that you've struggled to find it, for all the times that you feel like you've lost it, for all the times that you feel like it's the only thing your heart uh, pleads for, needs, or wants in this moment. And In any of those times, in any of those situations, we can all agree that when we finally found peace in a moment, that the path to that peace usually started in an unexpected way. Like in our mind, when we were looking for peace, when we were trying to find peace, when it was stolen from us, in our mind, we could lay out the path that we would see about how that peace would be found again, how we would uh, reattain the peace, how we would get it back. Come on, somebody. But the truth is, in every one of those situations, in every one of those circumstances, in all of those areas, the path of peace always came in a most unexpected way. That's not how I expected to receive it. That's not how I saw it coming. And sometimes because of that, we actually miss it. To set it up, The announcement of the birth of Christ. Come on, somebody. It was delivered to the shepherds. The announcement of the birth of Christ was given to, let me just say it this way without being derogatory, but trying at the same time to bring us to the understanding of what's happening here. The announcement of the birth of Christ was given to the fringe area of society. It wasn't announced by decree in the hall of a great kingdom. It wasn't given to a great emperor to make that. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't announced at a big banquet table or some big festival or some big celebration. It was announced in a field. You'll, you'll have to hold on to me with my voice because um, yesterday I didn't think I'd be able to preach today uh, through prayer. and. Uh, big dumps of vitamin C and lots of spoonfuls of uh, honey. I'm here, amen. amen. This announcement came to men who are watching sheep. Not men who were leading uh, uh, governments, not men who were politically involved, not men who had wealth to do all these things. It, it It was announced to the fringe part of society in a field to men who were watching sheep at night. Now, in my mind in your mind, if a king is going to be born, we'd expect something different. Hello, somebody. And yet, an angel came and said that peace was coming to earth. And it was was going to come to those on whom God's favor rested. Now, it's, it's a shocking situation, even though we are so familiar with it at this time of Christmas. It's been so ingrained to us. Even the secular world uses this scripture. For their advertising, for all the things, the, the songs that we sing. Do you understand at this time of the year, all of those Christmas carols that advertisers are using to sell other things, they are gospel messages. Do you realize that the gospel is shared in the Christmas carols? If you don't, come on, on Christmas Eve and we'll show you. Come, come on Christmas Eve and we'll show you. How they use our, our songs of celebration. How, how they they thank you brother how they take what god gave us in order to use for their benefit it's the gospel it's it's but because we're so familiar with the story and so because it's at the beginning of the gospel of luke we often don't receive it as a shocking message but you have to understand that for 450 years god has been silent he hasn't spoken through a prophet. He hasn't shared in any way. It's been darkness in the land, and now a light has come. And the first time that we hear the voice of God again is through the cry of a newborn. God in the flesh. And the first time he speaks. Come on, church. And he says that this message has come to those on whom God's favor rests. And so I can't help but to see in the beginning here that on the fringe society, on these particular areas of people where there should not have been any peace or hope, here is God coming to say that my favor rests on them. My favor rests on the shepherds. And they were offered peace. And I want to say to you this morning that if it can be given to them, it can be given to you and I. Come on, church. Because I know I'm not alone in here and, and feeling like there are times when I'm on the fringe of, hello, somebody. We live in a world now where it's a negative thing to be a Christian. But what do we think the end times would look like? Last week we began with hope, It's the heart of Christmas. Now we see the faithfulness of the prophetic words of God coming and speaking to us in a fulfillment that's unexpected. The birth of Christ is what gives us hope. And so no matter what we face or where we're at in life, God is right on time. Somebody say amen. Come on. It's hard to believe that when you've waited for a long time. It's hard to believe that when you're in a moment and all you want is the pain to stop or the confusion to go away or the fog to clear and clarity to come. It's hard to believe that God is right on time, but he is. So today I want us to push into this for just a minute. Can I say to us that the reason for the birth of Jesus is that God desires to see his creation no longer broken or in conflict? He, God's desire to see his creation restored and at peace. Yet it's the thing that eludes us most. And I want to say to you this morning that don't miss the peace of God because it just may come in the most unlikeliest of places. It just may come to you in your life through the most unlikeliest of characters. It may come to you in your life at the most unlikeliest of times. How many times has those shepherds been in that field? It was a normal, everyday kind of thing. But see, Christmas comes to interrupt our normalcy. Yes, it does. Don't say it doesn't because look at your house. It's not that way all year long. There's decorations, there's lights. Hello, somebody. I mean, it's the one time of year where we bring the outside inside and the inside outside. It's the way, if I come dragging a spruce tree into the middle of my house in the middle of July, my wife's gonna lose her mind. What are you doing? I'm gonna put lights on this thing. But see, Christmas comes every year and it interrupts our normalcy, and that's on purpose. And I love how the Bible opens up after all this silence, after all these years. I love how the Christmas story begins, and when it begins, it begins with the oddest group of people it could have began with. And that's why I love church. That's why I love who we are. When, when people ask me all the time, "Who, who, what is firm?" We're just an odd bunch of I'm just we just love Jesus. I don't know what to tell you. Just love Jesus. I don't know. Just an odd group of people. We come from all different backgrounds and, and, and uh, different areas in, in the social structure. We come from different nations. We speak different languages. And, 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 and we may even be different colors. <laughs> Glory to God. The Bible says that when you cast a net out in the kingdom of God, it gathers fish of all kinds. The church should look that way. It's odd to the world, though. It's odd to the world. And the first announcement that Jesus was born in Bethlehem came through an angel, and it was given to the most odd group of people it could have been given to. Let me me say, you probably know this, but shepherds in the first century, uh, they were... They were not the most respected people. Being a shepherd was not the most highly favored um, occupation. Because it usually meant that you spent long hours with stinky critters. It usually meant that you got as dirty as they did. It usually meant that you probably smelled a little bit like them. Hello, somebody. I grew up in Florida, and we had you know, corn and, 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 and that we grew to feed the animals. We didn't grow corn like you do here in Michigan for, for other, we grew corn to feed the animals, we had uh, cows and pigs. And the, the main crops we grew were peanuts and watermelons. <clears throat> and uh, we had this hog farm, this part of the farm that was where the pigs were, and, and I remember that, you know, once or twice a week it would be my job to, to I had to go take care of those pigs. And it's not like fancy in Michigan where you keep them inside and all this good stuff. Now, they're, they're right out in the middle of, of everything and in the summer. And you got big irrigation things that sit over the top of them to keep mud so they stay cool. Let me just help you out. Florida in 100 degree weather in the middle of the summer, the hot pen don't smell that good. And you have to keep mud to them because pigs don't sweat, so the mud keeps them cool, and uh, that's what happens. And so, um, you know, if you give a pig a choice between clean water and dirty water, he'll pick the clean water. But he has no choice but to stay cool, and so you have to keep mud out there. And, of course, then they do their business in the mud, and the mud smells like everything else. And if you deal with them, so do you. And I can remember, you know, you work all day dealing with the pigs and, and all this good stuff and you go home at night and try and take a shower and the next day you feel like you, you didn't take a shower. You smell the, hello somebody. And see, this is why the shepherds were the same way because they would live for months out with the sheep and, and there would not be a shower and, and they would be in contact with them and, and they would do all these things. And so it's got a shock It's going to shock the people who would be the first readers of Luke's gospel that these were the people who were trusted with such an important message. You see, that's why the rest of the world will reject who we are and the message that we have because the message that we have is so important, and they know that, that they can't believe that God would trust us with it. You? God's going to use you. God's going to speak to you to share how he's going to save and deliver the world. God God is using you to share with me. Listen, but who are you? You're not that important. Hello, somebody. But I love the fact that the angels, when they came, they said, this message is coming to all of those whom God's favor rests. Can I say this, that the peace of God is for all people? some of you in the room didn't receive that either you don't think the peace of God is for you or in your mind you there are some people that you are thinking not them they don't deserve it but the peace of God is for all people The message was so shocking, let me point this out to you in your scripture cuz maybe you don't read your bible the way I do. The message was so shocking that the angels had to steady the shepherds. And say don't don't be afraid. The, it, the angel had to steady them. Oh, whoa, what is happening here? Not to us. We're not worthy. It's so shocking that we would be here. That They, had to, they, they were terrified of the presence that was happening. The Bible points that out to us, right? But the message that they brought was so good that the baby had been born. And the, the Messiah, who was long awaited for, was finally here. That God was coming to rescue his people. That it shook them. And the angel said, don't be afraid. Can I say to you that God, God's word to us so much, so often, what God wants for us and what He wants to share for us, sometimes we can't receive it because there's fear in our heart. It's difficult to believe that we'd be worthy or that God would think of us that way and that, that God could come to us and share something so powerful. But the angel said, Let me, let me show you how powerful, let me tell you where He's at. And before they left to go on their search, the angel said to them specifically, Peace to those whom God's favor rests. Do you understand that the birth of Christ was, had, is coming to usher in peace? There's a survey that I read as I was prayer, preparing for all of this, and I wondered how we use it because I thought it was a, a very good piece of information, but it, the, the, the survey was of people who read their Bibles on a consistently, consistent basis. And of all of those who were, it specifically was targeting those who had a, a very great, diligent, daily routine of the Scripture and those things. And the question that asked on this survey was, of all the people in the Scripture, whom do you relate to most? And one third of all the people who took this survey said the shepherds. Now think about that for a minute, because like I love Nehemiah; he's a builder. I, I love Nehemiah that he he had one plan going in, and he wasn't afraid that when he engaged to see that needs to be moved a little bit, that needs to be adjusted a little bit. I love that Nehemiah was not dissuaded by the enemy. I love that he was so sure about what he was doing and what he was called to do that nothing would, would dissuade him from that. I love every bit about who he is and, and what he portrays. When I think about, man, do I relate to him, though? Let me tell you why it's hard to relate to my favorite Bible character because I see all the things he did right and all the things I grew up. He never makes a mistake and I make a lot. Come on, somebody. He knows when to adjust, and sometimes I'm too committed to my own way. But when I read this, and I thought one third of all people can relate to the shepherds. Like, "I I can. I can get that. I get that. Because they were average and they were ordinary people. But what is shocking is that the average and the ordinary was invited to see the birth of the king of kings. And what I find most amazing When God wanted to announce the arrival of his son, he didn't do it in the presence of kings or queens. There were plenty of them. He announced it to the poor and to the forgotten. Come on. Come on, when you have lost your peace, I don't care how much money you got in the bank. Come on, it depletes you. And you never feel so poor in your spirit than you ever do when you've lost peace and when you can't find peace or when you're grasping for it or something is there. Listen to me, church. I I want you to grab a hold of this this morning because it's so good. When you have lost peace, it is instantly and very easy for us to feel like God has forgotten us. How could this happen? you've lost your peace it feels like you're all alone you're isolated or maybe you're grasping in the dark whatever has happened it is easy to feel depleted and forgotten but that is why this is good news that is why the Christmas season is so powerful if God's favor was offered to the shepherds then surely God's favor and his peace is available to you and to I in those moments right then and there It's the greatest need in the world. Peace. From the time that sin enters the world, all of creation is affected. The Bible says that all of creation groaned. It changed. Not just Adam and Eve, but everything broke. And ever since that moment, we've been at odds with God. The Bible says that we were God's enemies. Come on, church. You you got one, you got two, you got a couple of enemies. Have you ever tried to make peace with an enemy who's not interested in peace? No matter what you do or how you strive, no matter how much your heart yearns for it, every time you're rejected, every time you're fought back, and it seems like it only makes it worse. many times before we became Christians, we come to know God in an intimate way, did we ourselves try to approach God in our rebellion only to feel come on rejected or he's an enemy and sin doesn't just stop there It's the cause of the conflict we have with others and the conflict we have with ourselves. See, I think it's bad doctrine. It's just me. You can chew the meat and spit out the bones. But a lot of us don't find peace, and we live in this thought process of victimhood because we say, well, I can't forgive myself. And even if God forgave me, I can't forgive myself. And so then we live our life, the rest of our life, with this lie. That if you could somehow forgive yourself, that your forgiveness of yourself would be greater than God's forgiveness of you, and you would finally be okay. Let Pastor Don help you out. This is my theology. It doesn't have to be yours. But you can't find anywhere in the Bible where you are encouraged to forgive yourself. It's not your job. You can't do that. That's why he came to do what you couldn't do. And when you finally receive the forgiveness of Jesus, you can release all of the things that held you in bondage and in lie and receive the peace of God that surpasses all understanding so that you can be free in God. Stop buying an unbiblical statement that I can't forgive myself. Not your job. If you could forgive yourself, you wouldn't need I am a free man, not because somehow I found a way to forgive myself for all the stupid stuff I Hello somebody. Because the devil tries to throw that back on me. Oh, remember you did that? Remember when you did that? I can't lie and say, no, I didn't do that. He knows I did that. I know I did that. And God knows I did that. That's why the Bible says, agree with your adversary quickly. Yep, I did that. But he also did that. Oh, y'all don't want to help me today. Peace came to me, not because of what I did. But because the Bible declares through the message of the angel that peace comes to those whom God's favor. Oh, y'all not helping me. Christmas reveals to me that the favor of God rests on my life. Now the prosperity gospel wants you to believe that that's for materialism. But materials aren't the greatest gifts we ever attain in life. Peace is when I'm at peace because of his finished work, I can be at peace in my marriage. I can be at peace in my relationships. I can be at peace with a world that is my enemy. In- Come on, somebody. Man, I wish I had more time to preach on this. Come on. Keep going. The ultimate answer for brokenness exists because of the birth of Christ. Colossians happens to be my favorite New Testament book letter. And Paul writes in there something very powerful. But one of the reasons that I love the book of Colossians, because there's a statement in there that says that God has disarmed the enemy. Um, it, having disarmed principalities and powers, disarmed, that's what the Bible says, that through the cross, Christ disarmed principalities, and power. See, you living under a lie that you feel like the devil's got some kind of weapon to use against you. But the New Testament Scripture teaches us he's disarmed. He's like a roaring lion. He isn't. There's only one lion. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Y'all not helping me. He, he, he's a lion with no teeth. Well, watch what Paul says to the Colossians. He says in chapter 1, verse 19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. By the blood of his cross, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh too by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You walk into Pastor Don's office, you say, Pastor Don, I just can't forgive myself. I'm gonna go, yep. Let me tell you why. Not your job. You need to receive the peace of God. You need to receive the peace of God in your life. And stop believing a lie is a gift. And Christmas declares it. Let me put it to you this way. To understand the peace that Christmas brings. You got to understand that although Jesus arrived in a cradle his life would lead to the cross i love how jesus lives intentionally that's the thing most people won't understand about your life if you're a christian as you Christ, a born again believer they'll call you bible thumper or a radical or a legalist or all those type of things but see in my mind i'm just living it intentionally Spiritually, I'm living intentionally. Financially, I'm living intentionally. Do you understand that? I, I, I mean, I may not have everything everybody else does, but I'm living intentionally with what I have. In obedience. Emotionally, I want to live intentionally, and, and that's the hardest for us all. Let's get it. Come on, let's get it. Physically, I want to live intentionally, although the little Debbie cakes are my enemy. They're terrible. They're great. They're amazing. Especially this time of year when they make them in the form of a Christmas tree. Like, who can't celebrate that? I love Tavin Dillard. I don't know if you guys follow me. He's a little IG guy, sort he, of. He, he, he had one of those white little Debbie Christmas trees wrapped in the paint. He said, This is a perfect, perfect thing for Christmas. All you got, it's like a pre wrapped Christmas present. You just pull it out of the box and write somebody's name on it and throw it in a tree. Who's not happy with that? Merry Christmas. There's a little Debbie cake. Come on. See, if it's in my house, every little Debbie cake has my name on it. My wife's like, did you eat all of those little Debbie cakes? Yeah, y- Yes. Did you save me one? No, they didn't have your name on them. You're not going to open a Christmas present under the tree that doesn't have your name on it, are you? No, well, great. That didn't have your name on it either, so I ate it. So... That's what happens. But see, here's the problem in the world that we live in. If you live intentionally, people don't understand that. Jesus lived intentionally. And he offered his life through crucifixion. And Paul said, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that makes peace between us and God. Come on, somebody. And so Christ's sacrifice on the cross, it pays for the sin we have committed. It it appeases God's anger towards sin, and it destroys the power of evil over our lives. That's the gift of Christmas. You see, being reconciled to God is the key. It's the key to experiencing peace in every other area of our life. I'm not one to judge where people stand in God, but sometimes I just want to ask the question, are you saved? Not my job to judge whether a person is written, but I'm telling you what. I can tell the difference between a a banana and an apple. Are you saved? And the peace of God comes to reconcile us. that's what Jesus is. He is what he is the prince of. He is the prince of He is the prince of. And he is the one who's reconciling us to God. When we receive the gift of forgiveness that's offered to us, we become friends with God. Come on, somebody. But see, here's a false doctrine of the Western world church. When you become a believer and you're made right with God, that means you ain't gonna face any problems anymore. And that's just not the case. If you'd have just had more faith, did did Paul not have enough faith? Because if that's your doctrine, then it's got to apply all across the board. Would Elijah not have enough faith? Peace doesn't mean you won't have any problems, church. Peace means your problems won't have you. That the Bible says that peace is offered to those whom God's favor rests. Not that's not to be equated with the absence of conflict. Do you understand? It's because the favor of God rests on you that you might have conflict. It's because the favor of God rests on you that you might be a target for the enemy. I just want you to understand. The biggest bucks in the wood, when I go hunting, they got a target on them because... Hello, somebody. They're more favored than the small buck. And I'm going to let the small one walk. I, he's not, I leave him go. I remember a little Callie went hunting with me one time and a lot of bucks just walked on She are we, going to, are we going to take that? Are you going to shoot that one, Poppy? I was like, no, no, we're not going to shoot that one. Why not? He's not big enough. We're going to let him grow. You know, we got to wait for the one who's got to come on somebody. He's, got, he's going to come through the woods and you won't miss him. He's got favor on him. You see, sometimes the favor of God puts a target on your back. See, y'all don't want to help me, but I'm going to read the scripture to you because some of you might not like to read it a lot. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, Therefore remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh of hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, everybody say now. But now in Christ, Jesus you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace... He might reconcile us both to God and body through the cross, thereby killing, killing, killing the hostility. <laughs> if I were to ask you before this sermon, what was the, what's the absence of peace, you would say hostility, conflict. What's the absence of peace? War. Come on. So how can we have peace If there isn't an absence of conflict, Isaiah's prophecy. That's what it was really all about. It was about the reality that comes in the most unexpected ways. Because, see, you're expecting peace to come in the form of no conflict. You're expecting peace to come in the form of no hostility. Come on, married people. You expect to have peace in your marriage if you don't argue. (laughs) Okay (laughs) Come on somebody That is not an option Listen I'm telling you one time My wife was Listen she was not happy with me Bro Listen the last thing you want to do Is make a little Thai woman mad Come on Brian don't, and she's so little, she don't scare nobody. She's like a little chihuahua. Just, right? Don't send me no emails. She's down on the ground and she's got the prophetic finger out and man, she is boxing my ears. I mean, I kid you not and she hops up on the couch cuz she didn't want she wanted to look me in the eye <laughs> and i lost it i looked her right in the eye i didn't say i'm sorry i didn't say i'll do better next time i just looked her right in the eye and i said i have never been more attracted to you in all my life <laughs> now that didn't really help the situation <laughs> You see, in our state of mind, we think peace is no, is no more conflict in our marriage, in our family, in our children, with our kids, with our finances, with work, and all those things, right? But here's the deal. Because that's your state of mind, you wake up every day dreading the day because you know the areas that you're going to have to go face that that's not a reality. Christmas brings peace to us in a person. Christmas brings peace. Did you hear the kids say? Christmas brings peace to us in a person. Christmas isn't the gift of a lack of conflict. It's the gift of a person who brings peace during conflict. You're still going to have circumstances. You're still going to have things that challenge you and challenge your relationships. You're still going to have to navigate through life. But the promise of his presence makes that navigation something that's possible, not because there isn't struggle, but because we know that he is with us to give us peace in the moment of that struggle, in the moment when our heart is feared and and full of terror. That's where guidance and strength comes from. We can lean on him when we get tired because he promises to bind up the wounded. Advent We're committed to our journey every year in this time of season, and it may seem a little different for you, and maybe it seems a little corny to light candles and But the, the word "advent" itself means "arrival." It's not complicated. Jesus' first coming was the light of the world. Like sitting around a lit Christmas tree at night, you, you turn off all the other lights and you experience the glow of the tree, not The sh- it, the, the tree doesn't really shine it glows. Does that, make a dif- does that make sense? Like a flashlight shines, it blinds you. But if you turn off all the other lights, right, that tree glows. And and so, for me, the presence of God is a lot like that. It's like His presence washes over me like the glow. It calms our fears and steadies our hearts. But we can't forget that... The advent season not only reminds us of his arrival, but it reminds us of the future. Because there's another advent coming. The second coming of the Lord. And that's when he makes all things right once and for all. His peace covers our past. Can I help you? His peace meets us in our present. Come on, church. And his peace is a promise for the future. I love it. And so there's a purpose for the gift of peace. You and I could look at all the world's problems right now and we could say the greatest need that people have is the peace of God in their hearts. And who else is going to share that if not you and I? If not the people whom God's favor rests on. You see, the reason you can relate to the shepherds is not only because you see them as ordinary, average people, but because in your heart and in your soul and in your spirit, you have the same call. Go. Tell. Come on, what's that song? We're going to sing it on Christmas Eve. We're going to sing it. Go. Tell it on the mountain, come on church, over the hills and everywhere go, tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ has, come on church, see that's what I'm talking about, we relate to them not only because we feel stinky, not only because we feel marginalized, Not only because we feel overlooked and ignored and done away with, but because we have the same call. Go and tell. Give the world what it really needs, and that is the gospel that Jesus has come. The Savior is here. Come on, church. Peace is our purpose. It's not optional for you and I to embody the peace of Christ. It's an expectation that as a follower of Christ, we would carry it. Jesus, he illustrates that in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes. He says what? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The angel said, hey, this peace, it's available to those whom... The favor of God rests. And so Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers. You see, we find peace at the heart of Christmas because God desires us to be in right relationship with Him and with others. Come on, worship team. There are many people, maybe some of you are in this room, who don't value peace. And so, they live in a constant state of conflict. You ever met, you ever met that person that's always looking for a fight because they ain't in one? And you're just like, bro, why you always want to fight? Why, why are you always wanting to fight? Relax. Isn't that what you're telling people? Just, man, chill. What are you doing? You know what you're saying? You don't value peace. And here's the truth in my own heart. When I desire revenge instead of relationship, I don't value peace. That's when I need to be willing to receive, seek reconciliation. If I'm going to fight for anything, you know what I'm going to fight for? Harmony and peace. Come on, church. Listen, when the worship team did that last song, they began a cappella. Did you hear the harmony? And that's, I love that because I love hearing the church sing. I love it when the church is louder than the worship team. The harmony, many voices at peace with one another. You ever, you ever listen to a four-part harmony? Come on, like a quartet, and you're like, how do they do that? It's so perfect. Come on, Rita, help me out. Woo, remember those days? Woo. It's just right there, it's one speaking. I didn't go to church growing up. I went a couple times with an aunt, but it wasn't our practice as a family. Let me tell you what was a practice as a family. Every year, every year. I can remember every year not missing it. We would always watch Charlie Brown's Christmas. And it wasn't until I became a believer that I understood that Linus was quoting Luke chapter 2. And it was God in the background prepping me for the message and the story. And it's interesting to note that all through Charlie Brown's Christmas, Linus never lets go of his blanket. The only time he ever drops the blanket is when he quotes Luke chapter two. Pay attention to it. He leaves it on the floor. That thing that he had carried around to give him security and peace. All of a sudden, when the Christmas story comes, he's able to release that and see. Come on. But Linus has a quote, another quote in in the in the in the story. And Charlie Brown's having some trouble getting into the Christmas spirit. And Linus makes this statement. He says, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Unfortunately, this is the outcome for a lot of people who believe Christmas is about other things other than hope, peace, joy, and love. And I pray that this Christmas, will you stand with me? We would be a people who embrace the gift offered through Christ who died. That we might live in the right relationship with God and with others. And here's my challenge to us as we move through this week in Advent. This whole week starting today, the so first day of the week. All the way through Saturday. I hope your meditation will be on peace. I hope your prayer will be directed that way. I hope that the scripture that the Lord leads you to this week as you read will reveal more and more of that. And let me give you a couple of things. My notes are on the app if you want them. You can download them. These questions are there. What kind of things tend to rob peace from people's lives? How's the presence of God And the presence of peace related. Why is Christ's sacrifice necessary to reconcile us to God, to ourselves, and to others? And what is one practical way to live a life as a peacemaker? Come on. If Christ lived intentionally, so should we. And the Sunday morning sermons have got to be more than something you endure. Help me out. Then it'd be something that hit our heart and change us. It doesn't matter whether we come to the altar or where we don't. What is the word of God speaking to me? I always took Pastor Rick's messages home with me. How? What does that mean? How do I dig this out? What kind of things, Rob? peace from my life how's the presence of God in my life related to the peace that God wants to give me why is his sacrifice necessary for me to be reconciled not only to him but to myself and others how can I live practically as a peacemaker that's the advent challenge this week that's the challenge that our children laid out to us as they read The Advent reading this morning. That's the challenge of the Word of God. It's the challenge for us to receive right now. And I want to say this that as we go into just a moment of worship here, the altar's open. If you want to move, receive the peace of God in your life. Maybe you're in this room and you're not saved. Maybe you've never received Christ as your Savior and you've been looking for something. And this morning you've heard peace. That's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been looking for. I would encourage you to come this morning and give your heart and life to the person of peace. Let him wash you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. Let me tell you something this morning. I heard something that's pretty powerful. There's a reason the Bible says that when God washes our sins as far as the east is from the west... That the Bible doesn't say from the north to the south. Because see, if you start traveling north at some point, you're going to start traveling south. And at some point, you'll start traveling north. But if you travel east to west, you'll always travel east. The prince of peace has come to cast your sin as far as the east is from the west so that you never catch back up with it and it never catches back up with you. This morning, if that's you, if you're watching, you want to give your heart and life to the Lord. Now, no one's going to judge you. Right, Jesus stepped out on the cross publicly. I encourage you to step out publicly for him. Amen. And we're going to pray. And we're going to worship, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. We stand in your presence, God, and we receive the person of peace. That babe laid in a manger, lived intentionally all the way to the cross to wash us, cleanse us as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again. Help us, God. To receive this peace. Help us, Lord, to receive this peace. Hallelujah. Come on. If that's you, just come. Come on. Come on, church. If that's not you, will you worship over those who need it right now?